Here we go. Hello, I'm Lise Wilcox, and you're listening to To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. This is the place to be to find clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. Hello, and welcome back to the show. Are you having a good day? I really hope you are. And if you're not having a good day, well, I hope just this conversation alone transforms that day into being a good day for you. I'm so happy you're back. And I want to open this episode with a little story. A couple of years ago, I bought a house by myself. I was really, really proud of it. I still am really, really proud of that. I was a couple of years um, out of my marriage, so a couple of years away from separation and divorce. My three little girls and I had been renting this really lovely little century cottage. And renting was so freeing for me, being on my own for really the first time. Um, I just felt like I didn't want the hassle of home ownership. But then this amazing house came on the market. I'd been keeping my eye on it for, for for those two years. It came up. I knew immediately when I walked in the door that it was for us. And I was able to buy it. I was really grateful and, as I say, really proud. One of my strengths, I would say, is, um, is finding older houses that have been really well-maintained and really well-loved by the people who live there and have had a dream renovation, you know, like the couple's dream renovation that they did in the 70s. And then I go in and kind of work my magic on it, and it becomes a new, a new place still solid, still really well, still really well maintained, but with, you know, this polish of bringing it up to speed. And I did that in this house. Uh, you know, I did it so well, I'm going to toot my own horn that I got featured in three design publications, including HGTV Canada, Design Mom in the US and Apartment Therapy. I'm going to link to those in the show notes so you can get the full tour and just see what I'm talking about. So yeah, I was really, really proud. I thought this was a big accomplishment, especially as I was starting my life 2.0 and really getting clear in who I was um, and really confident in who I was. Um, I just felt so proud of this accomplishment. So while I did the inside or re-redid the inside of the house, I really didn't pay much attention to the outside. And both of my neighbors had come over previously to warn me about the vine that was growing on my on my fence. So if you look out there, I have like these big sliding glass doors. There's so much natural light in this place. It's beautiful. Um, I am really hoping by the time this podcast airs that I will no longer be in this house because currently it's on the market and I'm looking to move. So how great would that be? Uh, but nonetheless, when I'm sitting here right now looking out, there are these big, beautiful glass doors. There's so much natural light. And I have, it's probably, it's probably a 30 foot deck. It's a great space followed by this lot is like, I don't know what, 70 feet deep. Um, I should ask my real estate agent. All this information is right at my fingertips right now. But I have this great deck and beside the deck is this fence that delineates my place from my neighbor's place. And it's covered in this vine, this like really luscious vine. And when I first moved in, as I said, both neighbors came to warn me about needing to deal with this vine. 
And I was like, oh man, I've done the kitchen. I've done the bedrooms. There's no way I'm paying attention to the outside because I just, I don't care. There were little tendrils of vine growing up the deck, in the steps, across the, I said this deck's what, 30 feet? And I would like go on the driveway and I would see little tendrils from this vine growing out of the side of my house underneath the siding. And I was like, wow, this really is an aggressive and and invasive vine, but I really didn't want to deal with it. So instead, anytime I saw one of those little tendrils pop up, I just ripped it out. I just picked it off and I was like, ah, perfect. My work here is done. And I would carry on with my day. And invariably the next day I'd go outside and realize once again, there was a new tendril that had popped out and I would pick it off and carry on. But one day, maybe last summer, a couple summers ago, uh, my girlies and I went away for a weekend. And when we came back, since nobody had been there picking off little bits of vine at a time, when we came back, the vine had almost devoured our picnic table. It was almost comical. It was like little shop of horrors back there. This this vine was <laughs> really working off a mind of its own. And it was all but literally swallow, swallowing up my dining table and and picnic benches. And I knew in that moment, I knew this had to get it had to be dealt with. I had ignored it for long enough and I knew the time had come where I was going to have to pony up and, and invest in solving the problem. And for me, solving the problem meant hiring this kid, (laughs) hiring this kid for two hours and for 40 bucks, two hours and 40 bucks later, he had done the hard work. He had gone deep and dark under my deck. He had crawled through the dirt got really sweaty, really dirty, and he went to the the root of the vine. He traced every single tendril that had been popping up and presenting in all kinds of weird places in my my, uh, backyard, and he traced every single one back to the root, and he hacked away at the root until the vine was dead. And after he did that, what we were left with is this beautiful growing plant that now we really enjoy. And it's, it's a constant reminder to me that that's all it took. Why am I sharing, you, sharing this with you? Because this is a perfect metaphor for our emotions. And on the show today, I want to talk about our emotions and specifically how to actually feel our feelings. So often, the messages that we get from childhood well well into adulthood is that, uh, or that your emotions don't really matter, that your emotions, especially I think if you're a woman, your emotions don't matter as much as somebody else's. If you're a man, don't feel your emotions, just gloss over them. That's what a man does. Um, and it's all toxic messaging and it's really, really detrimental. Living in the world that we live in now, that it's and I guess I'm speaking really to my experience and likely to your experience too in this Instagram world, this over-memed world where we get tiny flashes and tiny bite-sized pieces of information with little to no context, um, but beautiful graphics. Um, There's this pervasive messaging to just think positively. And if you just think positively, your entire life will change. Wrong. That's so wrong. And that messaging of just think happy thoughts, like just vibe high, it's so wrong and it's detrimental to our own success when we're looking for that missing piece in our life of going from how we felt to how we want to feel. 
It's this paradox, uh, and one of my keynote speeches is on this exact topic, the paradox of positivity, that yes, it's important to see the bright side. Yes, having an optimistic attitude is essential, essential to a joyful life. Yes, you have to find joy. Yes, you have to create happiness. Yes, you have to live in those present moments and really celebrate um, all of the good stuff while... um, while maintaining relentless optimism. However, the paradox is that you also have to feel all the dark stuff first. When you have what is really labeled as a negative emotion, and that's something that is uncomfortable to feel, you know, anger, jealousy, resentment, fear, um, isolation, loneliness... When you feel any of those negative emotions, the inclination or our instinct and what is supported in our day-to-day life, I find, is that you just, you just cut through it. You just move through it, you know, like just get on those, get those high vibes going again, gloss over it and just think positively. That is code for repression. And guess what happens when you repress your emotions? You can think of like... Inside wants out, right? And when you when inside wants out and it's coming up and coming up and you just keep pushing it down, it's like you're increasing the pressure on those feelings and on those emotions. So eventually you're going to reach a breaking point and those negative emotions that you've pushed down for so long, just like the vine, they're going to keep coming up and keep coming up in places you don't expect them until finally they have taken over your being. And that's going to come out as some kind of an illness. It's going to come out as some kind of an ailment. It's going to explode and cause you to do to make a terrible decision. It's going to make you reach for something that you don't need to reach for. It's going to cause you to act in such a way that is not um, in accordance with uh, your own success and probably is going to start being some self-sabotage kind of stuff. Uh, last episode, we talked about um, patterning and uh, subconscious beliefs and how how those early years of our lives really start to lay this framework neurologically for us and how it's our job if we want to create lasting change in our lives from our businesses, our brands, our relationships, um, the relationship we have with ourselves, our marriages, our, our partnerships, our parenting. If we want to have really healthy, positive interactions and um, engagements, it's our job to get up into our subconscious mind and really start examining what the hell is going on up there. And our emotions follow along this same uh, the same conversation because chances are the patterns of behavior that we have that are rooted in these deep-seated beliefs are shaping our emotions and our emotions are shaping our thoughts. So when we feel something like anger or jealousy or fear, um, which technically is all the same thing, and when we push it down, we are ignoring ourselves. When we get those messages of those negative emotions, what it really is, it's, it's just a flag from our body. So we feel, and from our mind, you know, when I feel anger, I don't like it. I don't like it. It makes me feel like I'm losing control. It makes me feel like, um, something bad is going to happen. And yeah, I think control is the big one with anger. I don't like feeling that way, but I have taught myself to take a breath 
and start to examine where is this anger coming from? Jealousy is another one. I am not a jealous person. I'm not even really, I don't think I'm really even a competitive person. So when, and I'm pretty self-aware. So when I feel jealousy, it makes me want to feel like I'm going to throw up. Like that is such an uncomfortable feeling uh, for me to have. And then on top of jealousy and my own reaction to it, then I start to feel shame for those emotions that I'm having, right? And that's really common that we start to shame ourselves for how we're feeling. And that is a mega, like that's a mayday from our bodies and from our minds that we need to give ourselves some nurturing and some attention. When you can get yourself into that headspace of pausing and acknowledging the feeling, you can start to, just like the vine, trace it back to where it's coming from, get really clear on where it's coming from and address it at the root source. That's when you can hack it dead, like kill it dead so it doesn't come up anymore. Understanding that it you know, those emotions are so deep. Those beliefs are so deep. It might, something else might, and probably will trigger you in a different area later on. And that's okay. All of our healing is cyclical. Our growth is not linear. It really is like a spiral that we heal something over here and we think we've put it to rest. And then bam, something triggers us out of the blue. Often when you're in your car at a red light, all of a sudden you might feel sadness or anger and something resentment, just something just triggers you. And that's just, it's nothing to be afraid of. It's just a message. I remember studying at one point in my life, I I wanted to be an ESL teacher. So I started looking into what that would look like. And I remember learning that when I, and you know this from learning a second language at school yourself, whenever we're learning a new language or whenever we're teaching somebody a new language, even if you're a parent or um, an auntie, uh, an uncle, and you have experience around babies, all of this has one common theme, that when we're learning a new language or teaching a new language, the first thing that we learn are the nouns. The first thing that we learn and teach is how to name something. Because when we name something, we give it power we give ourselves power really because then we can start to engage in a really intelligent discourse about about what we're talking about. Have you read Harry Potter? <laughs> my, my kids are big Harry Potter fans. And um, I always think about this when they're talking about Voldemort. Like that, first of all, can we talk about this for a second? Book one and probably the rest of them, but book one I think is the best. Um, it's all a metaphor, hey, for all of our lives. Um, but they're talking about you know, so many of the the wizards say he who shall not be named instead of Voldemort. Uh, And they say that if you say his name, you know, really bad things are going to happen. And the flip side is true. When you name something, it gives it, you give it power in a really controllable way. Um, It gives it meaning and it gives, maybe it doesn't, how am I trying to say this? I feel like I'm not doing a good job of explaining this. When we name something, we have the ability to really engage in it. So when a feeling comes up, instead of trying to shame it away or will it away or just stuff it down to deal with it later, we need to name it. And we can say to ourselves when it comes up, like, oh, yep, there it is. Ah, uh, that's anger. There it is. And other times it might be like, oh, you get, you know, you get that full body sweat and your, your blood is boiling and you're like, oh, what am I feeling here? Ah, this is jealousy. And where is this jealousy coming from? Ah, yes, here it is. You can start to get into the place where you train yourself to immediately start to trace back those feelings. 
And when you have that kind of power in your life that comes simply from naming your emotions and the ability to start tracing it back to where they come from, you can start to then name what kind of a trigger it is for you. Um, I think I'm going to do a full episode on this uh, at a later point. I'm really convinced that there are two emotions that we feel and they are love and fear. And I believe everything else is an extension. Everything else that we feel or experience is an extension of them. And if you want to go even deeper with that, really love is the only emotion. Love is like the only thing that exists. So when we experience fear, we are really experiencing the absence of love. And what I want to do if uh, follow up episode on is that I think that all of our fears stem from the fear of not being loved or, you know, the fear of rejection or abandonment or having love withheld, not being accepted. I think that's all related to our lovability. And if you start to think about, uh, you know, humans are a social species and way back in the day, many, many years ago, those who were connected and accepted by their village, their tribe, their people, they lived. Those who were not accepted died because we really needed each other. We needed that interdependency to, to thrive and survive. And I really think that there's so much of that embedded in our genetic code that we kind of come by it honestly, that we are terrified of not being loved and terrified of not being accepted. And when we feel fear, our brains cannot distinguish between the fear of being chased down by a bear, like having our actual physical safety in great jeopardy, um, versus the feeling that, you know, our friend rejected us when we, or, our, you know, our potential boyfriend rejected us. When we feel fear, it changes our state. Um, when we get into the fear headspace that we are, um, we're afraid of something. And as I said, our, our body and brain is like mayday, mayday, you are in great danger here. It doesn't know emotional safety from physical safety. So it puts all of our safety mechanisms on high alert and it changes our physiological state. So here's a little trick for you. This will give you great, great, uh, control in, in how to regulate your own emotions. Again, I can't stress this enough to name them and feel them, but also to regulate them so that you are empowering yourself to feel them and also not be consumed by them. I don't know about you, but I, I have like off the charts, high emotional intelligence. My EQ is incredibly high. I have lots of empathic tendencies, which is a blessing and a curse, right? It's now I know how to use it as a blessing. When I was growing up and well into my early thirties, it was a curse because I didn't know how to self-regulate. And so as a result, I was just overwhelmed by everything and consumed by my own feelings. And I've talked about how I was such a people pleaser. I was constantly strategizing emotionally, um, it was like a chess game, an emotional chess game. Because if I felt a dying, I can pick up on people's vibes and feelings really quickly. And if something even hints at being uncomfortable, I will start to strategize like two, three steps ahead to what that's going to translate into or turn into. And then I've got to reverse engineer it back to the moment. And my old self would then start to just do whatever it would take to accommodate that person and keep them calm instead of meeting my own needs. And you know, one of the greatest things about growth and um, personal development is that 
when you become aware of your own needs, you can start to establish your own boundaries and learn really healthy, loving boundaries and really healthy, loving communication that protects you and everybody else that you enter into a relationship with. But I digress. This little mindset hack is going to give you that power, give you that ability to feel everything you need to feel and also not be swallowed up by it. And further, not to feel like you have to go out of your way and not meet your own needs and cater to the needs of somebody else just by this one little trick. And that is six little words. The story I'm telling myself is, this is one of my favorite techniques to use personally and definitely favorite techniques to use when I have a new coaching client who, um, for whom this comes up in a session. Um, basically when you feel one of those uncomfortable or negative emotions, uh, bubbling up inside you, you just take a nice deep breath and pause. You want to name the feeling and it's like, okay, this is anger. And you say to yourself, the story I'm telling myself is, and give yourself some time to pause and then answer the question. So I feel angry. And the story I'm telling myself is, uh, I am really pissed off that this guy didn't text me back. Okay. The story I'm telling myself is, well, he didn't text me back. Therefore he is rejecting me. Okay. The story I'm telling myself is, well, he's rejecting me. Therefore I must not be worthy of his love. Once again, here's that theme. I'm not worthy of love. Okay. The story I'm telling myself is you got to keep tracing it back and back and back, just like the little tendrils of that wild vine on my patio. The story I'm telling myself is I'm afraid I will never be worthy of love. I'm afraid I will be on my own for the rest of my life. I'm afraid I am not lovable and that I am going to live this life on my own. When you start to get to the, the very root of the problem, you'll notice you start to soften with yourself. It can get uncomfortable because it's not a quote unquote great feeling to the, have the awareness that you're afraid of not being loved. You know, the spoiler of this is that I think everybody feels that way. I think that is the fear for all of us. And we do make decisions based on how we will receive or reject love, right? But anyway, when you get to the root of that vine, the story I'm telling myself is that I will never find love and that I am unworthy of receiving the kind of love that I want. Then you can ask yourself a different, a different question. Is that story true? You know, that's such a big fear that you can coach yourself through it and ask, is that story true? Well, no, I don't consciously believe that story to be true. And then I can teach myself to look for examples in my own environment that disprove the, the fear. You know, well, I was in this wonderful relationship and I know I was loved in that. I have an incredible friendship and I know I could count on my friend for anything and that I would do anything for her. I know that she sees me and values me for who I am. Okay, so that's being worthy of love. You can start to come up with all kinds of examples. And once you start that process, it might feel scary at the beginning, but once you start that disproving process of disproving those gross beliefs that are held so deeply that we don't even know we're carrying around sometimes, once you start, it gets easier and easier and almost instantly you will feel a shift. And when you feel that shift, 
It takes you out of that fear state. It calms your parasympathetic nervous system and it brings you back to baseline. And when you can bring yourself back to baseline, suddenly you have achieved this emotional alchemy. I am passionate about this process because it really does allow us big picture, small picture, everywhere in between. It allows us to take something really negative and turn it into something purposeful, beautiful, and forward moving. So when you give yourself the permission that you need to feel your feelings and get really into them and ask yourself what the hell story you're operating under and what you're telling yourself, and then ask yourself, is that story true? And you can realize, oh my gosh, no, this is just fear. Fear is not real. It is just a thought in my head and I'm actually safe as I said, you have made magic that is completely bringing you back to a place of empowerment, of self-regulation, of emotional control and emotional honesty. And when we have that level of emotional honesty, that is what allows us to pursue this deep, deep level of personal authenticity. When we have that level of personal authenticity, that my darling, is what allows us to show up fully in our businesses. That's what allows us to clear out the blocks that tell us we can't do this, that we will not achieve success, that we can't make the income we want to make, that we can't have the partner we want to have, that we can't have the family we want to have, that we can't be the person we want to be. When you start to, um, I guess, recognize the power that you have in creating that new narrative for yourself, the game changes. And that game changes, as I said, just by giving yourself the permission you need to be you. Conversely, if you feel those negative feelings and you just push them away or you try to high vibe them away or just, you know, smile them away, it doesn't work. You push them down, you push them down. And when you ignore yourself, you are being untrue where you are being inauthentic with yourself. And when you are being inauthentic with yourself, how the hell can you be authentic in any other area of your life? This isn't a blame thing. It's not a shame thing. It's an honest question. If you can't be honest and authentic with yourself, how on earth are you supposed to be honest and authentic in your relationships, in your business? In your parenting, how can you expect that from anybody else if you can't give it to yourself? And that's why these six little words, the story I'm telling myself is this: why this exercise, this little mindset hack is so valuable in taking control over your own um, agency in your life. Having the skills and knowing the skills, keeping them, you know, in your arsenal of tools that you use to adult it's so valuable because you can give yourself the um, you can give yourself the empowerment you need to just be you and it, it really is that I use this all the time I know because I'm obsessed with it it really is that simple and it really is that complex the bottom line here is that positive thinking is not enough it's not enough it helps it really helps hope is really what that means constantly maintaining hope constantly maintaining trust and faith 
that there are unseen forces behind the scene constantly working in your favor, that you might not see all the moving pieces, but that doesn't mean they're not moving, that there are things greater than you at play that are working in your favor to get you the results that you want. It just might not happen on your timeline and it just might not happen in exactly the way you thought it was going to happen. It might not give you exactly what you want, but it tends to give you exactly what you need. All of that stems from having this kind of agency, this personal agency in being able to openly and honestly feel your feelings in a dark, raw way. When you confront things in that dark and raw place and you go there and you bravely turn on the light, that is what gives you the courage and the the bravery, the empowerment to move through it and carry on in the way you need to carry on. And when we each do that, when we each make those changes for ourselves, man, there is nothing we can't do because that's when we're living our like most authentic lives, being our most authentic selves. Whew, big one. <laughs> That's a big one. This is one of my favorite subjects to talk about because it is, it's so simple. And we learn, as I said at the very beginning, we learn so early on to ignore our own feelings and to assume somebody else's feelings are more important than ours. Yes, we have to live in an interdependent society and we do have to respect the wishes and the feelings of other people, including our own. It doesn't mean we just gloss over them. And, you know, I see this with kids all the time or Um, I used to be a Montessori teacher. That's in my very early 20s. That that was my first iteration of career. And I would watch other teachers say to kids like, well, now you have to say sorry. And the kid's like, but I'm not sorry. And it's like, well, you have to say sorry. And it's like, okay, so now we're just teaching these kids that what they feel and think really is insignificant. It, It pales in comparison to how anybody else feels. And it's wrong. And we get those messages all through our lives uh, in different ways as men and as women, uh, girls and boys. Uh, but I guess the bottom line is that we each have a vine. We each have an emotional vine. And those tendrils are manifesting and presenting um, in our lives in all kinds of different ways. And any time we have that trigger, I think we have a responsibility to just pause and start tracing it back to where it comes from so that we can heal it and move through it. And as I said, carry on in this really beautiful, honest, authentic life. So that is that, my friend. Listen, if you love this podcast, I would love for you to subscribe, share it with a friend, maybe take a great photo of you listening with your headphones on and tag me on Instagram at Lise Wilcox. Um, you, you can use the hashtag to call myself beloved. I would love to see that. Um, leave me a comment, share it with your friends. Um, keep coming back. We've got all kinds of good stuff to share and it's all really really easy, hands-on stuff that you can you can implement in your own life. If you want to take this conversation deeper and more personal, you know, if you like this conversation that's just me, you, and a microphone, I think that's a Beck song, um, imagine what it would feel like to work together one-on-one. You can go to my website, lisevilcox.ca, and start looking at coaching. We can book a coaching, uh, an intro call, and get a sense of what you're looking for, what I offer and how those intersect, or you can just simply uh, subscribe to my blog there too. In any case, it has been just a pleasure sharing this space with you. I'm so grateful that you're here and I will talk to you very soon. Have a great day.